We've been through a lot, now we're headed to the top, and it's only getting better. Just watch, cause we got that defense, 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 yeah. After taking a week off, we're back with another episode of the Bluegrass Blitz Christmas Edition, joined by Sean Hammond, and we have a new guest in with us today, Derek Aaron. Derek? Happy to be here. Hopefully uh, give some good insight today. Just uh, expertise that I have on all the subject matter will will be beneficial to you all, I know. But no, I actually just very excited to be a part, guys. Well, yeah, we uh, we claim to be experts here. I don't know if we are, but we claim to be, and that's, that's good enough, I guess. Sean, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, Zach. Doing good. Big win last night for the Cats. Yeah, I was just, just th- sitting here thinking about uh, that game against Western. My goodness, Oscar Sheboy is a man. Yeah, Zach, he's definitely becoming a favorite among many of the Kentucky fans. He's a hard worker. I, I'm trying to figure out what happened at West Virginia. Like, why did that not work? Why is uh, Bobby Huggins constantly just downing him? What happened? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's came here and, you know, been one of the best big men in the country. And uh, he's just had a uh, – he's just had a, you know, I guess a tough time at West Virginia. And then – uh, he's came here and really showed out, and I, I don't know what happened with him and Bob Huggins. I saw Oscar kind of took the high road when they asked him about it, and but I, I don't know. But I'm I'm glad he's in Lexington. Absolutely. <laughs> but it, uh, ever since that Notre Dame game, man, Kentucky has kind of tweaked their. I, I hate using that word tweak because it's a cow buzzword. <laughs> but you know they've changed their offense up a little bit, which they had to, and they have dominated the last two games. Yeah, scoring over ninety. Yeah, the offenses look good. Uh, I thought Kellen Grady looked uh, looked really good last night too. Yeah, he uh, uh, he had twenty. What was it twenty three points? Was, I believe it was twenty three and was like six of eight or six of nine from three. Yep, Kentucky overall nine of twenty from three. Yeah, you have. I mean, you have that kind of shooting performance. Kentucky's, you know, to me one of the best teams in the country when they're shooting like that. But uh, you know, Sean, I was sitting here thinking. You know, we talk a lot about the transfer portal, and if you go through, if you look at Kentucky football and Kentucky basketball this year, I think four of the most impactful players were, are transfers. You look between Will Levis, Wandell Robinson, Oscar Sheboy, and Kellen Grady. I mean, talk about Jacques Jones. Yeah, and you can even throw him into that list. There's more you could add. Uh, you know, Dare Rosenthal on the football field too. You got Severe Wheeler. Uh, I mean, you look. Kentucky has really won the transfer portal in the two major sports. It just goes to show that Cal and Stoops know how beneficial the transfer portal can be, and they've really taken advantage of it. I think Mark Stoops, in particular, has done just a tremendous job at taking advantage of it. And, and Cal has Cal's been uh, doing this grad transfer thing for the last few years. You know, if you remember Reed Travis, um, Nate Sestina, the COVID year, the <laughs> but, uh, uh, Davion Mintz last year. Yeah. Uh, transfers have really just they've done really well with it and I think that's going to be something you're going to see as a hallmark of you know the top programs the top programs are going to be ones that you know find talent in the transfer portal and uh, you know bring them in and get them adjusted to their systems the ones who really utilize the transfer portal I think are going to be some of the most successful teams and guys with Kentucky obviously they can you know pick and choose who they want because Kentucky is Kentucky obviously so uh, when you're able to uh, to go out and, and identify target these guys at these other schools and they make a decision to transfer you get to pick of the litter really with uh, with Kentucky and, and they've been able to prove that in both sports this year yeah the program kind of sells itself and you know you have a lot of guys especially you know you look at guys like Severe Wheeler at Georgia or Oscar Sheboy at West Virginia guys who 
you know, wanted to take a step up. And so they are able to take a step up and uh, play at one of the most prestigious programs in the country. And I think it's, you know, like I said, I think, I think Callen and I think Stoops has shown that, you know, there's a lot of guys who, you know, want to play in the SEC. And it goes to show, too, when you're recruiting – you know, maintaining those relationships because you look at guys like Wandale Robinson and Oscar Sheboy, those two in particular, guys that Kentucky in each sport recruited really heavy. I nearly went there the first time yeah, around. Yeah, nearly ended up coming to Kentucky, but they went somewhere else, and then it just didn't work out. And so uh, now that you've maintained that relationship and then you're able to bring them back later and through the transfer portal, and it just shows you how key uh, those relationships are when they're recruiting. But, yeah, the transfer portal overall has been really big for Kentucky. And, uh, you know, just speaking basketball-wise, these last two games have been have been really good. And now you're getting ready to transition it more into the conference, uh, more into conference play. And, of course, you have the high point game on New Year's Eve, but then conference throughout. And, you know, hopefully Kentucky can jump out to a good, st- good start in SEC play and uh, go ahead and gain an early lead in the conference. Conference looks like it's really top-heavy this year. Yes, very good. Uh, Tennessee just beat Arizona last night. Arizona was top ten. They were undefeated. I don't know how real they really were. I just looked over their schedule. Nothing really impressed me about uh, Arizona's resume. You know, the SEC is solid. You know, Arkansas seems to be doing okay. Um, Alabama's uh, tough. Alabama. I mean, Alabama's weird, though. They, they lost to Davidson, but then they beat Gonzaga. So, who it, knows with yeah. them? I think it's the style they play. It is, and you just, you just never know what you're going to get with them day in and day out. You might catch If you catch them on a hot shooting night, there's nothing you can do. And if you catch them on a cold shooting night, you can beat them by 25. Yeah. I mean, Missouri's terrible. Missouri's awful. You know, Kentucky will play Ole Miss later in the season. They're off of the – it seems like they're, they're really top-heavy, but the bottom – you know, you know, Ole Miss, Missouri, Vanderbilt, those teams are really bad. Yeah. So I am not- looking forward to the high point game. Tubby Smith returns to up. They're going to hang his jersey. He deserves it. Long, uh, looking forward to that game. Long awaited, long needed. It's it's about time they finally honor Tubby for uh, his time at Kentucky because you know he, you know there was you know there's a lot of people who don't really care for Tubby and you know thought he was kind of mediocre, but. He won a national championship and he, never missed the NCAA tournament. Never went under five hundred, and you know that's something that John Calipari cannot say. And you can and you can argue, and you even look back at like two thousand three. Kentucky had probably the best team in the country, and just you know got caught you know, against a Marquette team and Dwayne Wade. Oh five, nearly went to the Final Four. That was that Patrick Sparks yeah. shot. Yeah. Speaking of the, that game against Dwayne Wade. If you remember earlier in that NCAA tournament, uh, Keith Bogans rolled his ankle. Yeah, and he was your All American mm-hmm. that year. Yep. So yeah, you may have been. Roll. You yeah, may have been. A Derek's Keith. Derek's got the good history. He's a few years older. Than us. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's the Oscar Combs for us over here. <laughs> I don't know about that, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky was maybe a Keith Bogans ankle away from winning a championship in '03, and if Tubby wins two championships during his time at Kentucky, he probably doesn't get ran off. He, no, he doesn't get ran off, and he's looked at a whole lot differently. But um, anyway, yeah, uh, I'm glad to see Tubby get recognized. And, uh, you know, hopefully, like I said, Kentucky can get on a roll here uh, at this midpoint of the season. January, to me, is when you really start kind of figuring out what your team is. Yeah. And so if Kentucky can keep this going, keep this momentum they've got going, it might end up being a uh, – end up being a good march. I think that Kentucky's going to have to have a good SEC season, obviously uh, well in the tournament also, before uh, they get a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. Of course, that's what you want. You want as high as you can get. But I think you're going to have to have a successful SEC slate in order to get one of those top four seeds in one of those regions. Yeah, because, I mean, really, 
I mean, I think I mean I think Kentucky's had a pretty good start to the season, but they don't really lack they really lack a quality win. Uh, well, what are you talking about, Zach? Mount St. Mary, Southern <laughs> Albany. Yeah, I, I forgot about that uh, quad one win against North Carol or North Florida. Yeah, well, if Kentucky loses like five or six SEC games, I don't know about a top four seed because then you're talking about eight losses overall. You're probably what five to six seed. Yeah, and then and then that's a t- that's a tough road to go in in the NCAA tournament when you're. When you're starting off at a five or a six or, you know, maybe a seven, who knows how that'll... Interesting point, though. Did you know, um, that's just something that came off the top of my head. I think in his time at Kentucky, I think Cal, most, uh, most of his teams have been um, a three seed or worse. If you look at the final four year with Brandon Knight, that was a four seed. The yeah. Harrison year, that was an eight seed. Uh, whenever they had that Kevin Knox year that they should have went really deep because that bracket opened up. What were they, a five? I believe yeah, so. Yeah, I believe so. And you're not, they're never going to have one open up like that one did. That Ooh. sticks out in my mind. Yeah. It's a missed opportunity right there. Yeah. But. Lose to Kansas State. So, I mean, it seems like Cal, I, I don't know if I don't, I don't know if he does better whenever it's like that. I mean, certainly you want to be a one or a two seed, obviously. When was was the last time Kentucky was a one seed in the tournament was the undefeated year with Carl Towns? I believe that's right. Yeah, I right. believe that would be right. Because the next year they were a four. It's when they lost to Indiana, then a two with Fox. Yeah. Then a five, and then a uh, a two again with Hero, and then, of course, COVID, and then last year was awful. But, you know, I, I think that that also comes back to kind of how Calipari's teams have been molded in the past when you have a lot of freshmen that come in and they struggle early and aren't able to – garner a lot of top quality wins and then they kind of start clicking in February and so then of course they you know the the talent's there but the record's not well, it's and like the, the 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 first year of the Harrison Twins and Randall there was times I didn't think they'd make the tournament and then they go on that year that tournament run is my favorite of all time even though they did not win the championship they go in as an eight seed and go to the finals of course should have beat UConn but uh, that was one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, there's few. I mean, it's hard to think of, you know, many more uh, postseason runs that were more fun than that. Because, I mean, the game winners and it was it was just like it was just magical. And Brandon Knight yeah. year was uh, right under that, and Brandon Knight gets forgotten about a lot. Yeah, he does. I mean, a, a really underrated player. I mean, you think about uh, he, he hit the game he hit the game winning shot against Princeton. They almost got upset. And, Ohio State. The Ohio State was like the best team that yeah. year. That was a that was that was a special one. That sticks out to me because I remember uh, I remember sitting at a uh, at a place in Somerset. I can't even remember what the name of it was. Now it's a it's a sports bar down there as you're going down into Burnside and uh, and uh, I was I was with my brother that year, and so I, that one always sticks out to me. I remember that. Uh, going back to 2014, guys, John, uh, you were talking about it that. Wichita State game, one of my favorite games that I've ever seen. I think that was uh, one of the best college games I've ever seen. And that game, that the game should have been the championship game that year. Wichita was undefeated, if you remember. And we, and I was like, we got screwed whenever that bracket came out. Wichita undefeated. Michigan was the two C. That was the. You're right, Derek. That was like one of the best college basketball games I've ever seen. Yeah, it was just a total back and forth. There's been a lot of those throughout the years, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. Cause I mean, 
I mean, barring some weird circumstances, Kentucky will be back in the tournament this year, and I'm excited to actually have an NCAA tournament with Kentucky involved again because we haven't had that in forever, it seems yeah. like. And here's the thing. If Kentucky plays like they have been, who knows where they can go. But if they play like they did against Notre Dame, it's probably one and done. Yeah. What you hope for is that finally this team is starting to gel together and, and become what we thought they were going to be you know, right out of the gate against Duke. Uh, but, you know, we've got these veterans. They're just now uh, learning each other's games. They're starting to, to play uh, much better as a unit. So hopefully they'll be able to, to make a good run down the stretch here and make us proud. Oh, yeah, and it looks like Cal is starting to see, hey, we got we can't play this pounded style. Because he even said after the Carolina game, Zach, that, they, for them to win, they need to be in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, and I, and I think and I think he's absolutely right. Um, you look at well, and you look at what happens when Kentucky shoots when Kentucky shoots the ball well from the perimeter. You look at the last two games. I mean, it, I mean, it's night and day between what they did against Notre Dame versus what they did against North Carolina and Western. Um, I think Kellen Grady makes a whole a whole world of difference. Um, I think when he's shooting the ball well, I think it just opens up so much more. Um, you've got guys on the team that can shoot, and they, you know, they just had a rough go at it against Notre Dame. But I, I think that was more of an outlier. I think this team is a lot better shooting team than what they were that game, and I think the last couple games have shown they have the ability to knock down shots. And if they're going to make, you know, if they're going to have a really good season and make a postseason run, they're going to have to continue to make shots like that. And basically, you can't have all your good shooters have bad nights on the same night, which is what happened against Notre Dame. And that's to me, that's 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 why I look at it as an outlier. It's mm-hmm. it's not very often you're going to have all of your guys just you know just completely be off. And so I think I think it was just an outlier, and I think Kellen Grady is really coming into his own. I think he's going to be, you know, maybe one of the most key players down the stretch because of his ability to stretch the floor and knock down shots. I think I saw where he had his what a hundredth double figure game in college yeah. against Western. So yeah, I mean, I mean, he knows the, how to shoot. Yeah, the, I mean, I mean, you don't have to look any farther than his time at Dayton to see. I mean, the man, the guy can score, and he's just he, he's, Davidson. Yeah, what did I say? Dayton. Dayton. I was looking at Dayton here. <laughs> Davidson. Yeah, uh, you you can look at that and see. He, I mean, he's a natural scorer, and I mean, I think he, I think he's really coming into his own and could be, you know, one of the top players as we move forward. But um, you know, I'm, on a basketball related note too, I want to mention this. Dante Allen is garnering a lot of conversation, and you know, there's nothing out there yet. Um, and we're going to kind of see as the ne- as the next few days and the next couple games, we'll we'll probably figure out what his future is. But didn't play didn't play against North Carolina, didn't play against Western. Uh, there was reported he had an injury um, with the Air Western quotes. game. Yeah, that's that's what Calipari said. So you know who knows. But if Dante Allen decides to transfer, I think I think there's going to be a lot of fans that are going to be hurt by it. What Cal did with Dante last year, you know, whenever he would take shots at him, you had uh, B.J. Boston and um, Askew out there, no offense, stinking it up, and Cal refused to put him in, and then he would, like, do these little pot shots in his press conferences. That was unacceptable, and that was unfair. A lot of folks think he was trying to do that at the fans because the fans were clamoring for Dante. Um you know, this year, he, he, I mean, guys, he's kind of struggled this year. And look, 
he refused to go in against Carolina. He the, at Cal asked him if he wanted to go in with the walk-ons, and he refused. And I don't. I, I'm sure Cal probably didn't like that. Well, he shot what twenty-two percent, I think, from three land this year, and mm-hmm. that's just uh, that's just not going to get it. Whenever you know, otherwise he doesn't really offer you a whole lot on the defensive end or, or rebounding, which has improved some from a year ago. But still, it's not up to the level that that Cal obviously wants to see. And uh, you know, I think that's been his biggest issue is he's not made those shots when he's gone in, mm-hmm. and that has really you know, if he was in there making those shots, obviously he's going to get more PT, but. He's not. He's missed them, uh, and therefore he's been riding the pine these last few games. It's kind of like Derek Willis. If Derek wasn't hitting the hitting the shots, he couldn't play. Yeah, but and then but then now you know also you know on the flip side of that, to play devil's advocate to that, you saw that Derek Willis ultimately came around and was ended up being a key contributor and was able to offer more on the floor. I I want to see Dante stick around because. I think I think he has a lot to offer. I think it's also kind of hard sometimes when you come, when you just come off cold off the bench and you're asked to come in and knock down your first couple shots. Oh, absolutely, I, I do agree with that. You know, I, I thought that was unfair last year. He would come in, take a couple shots, and then Cal would take him out because he missed him. I don't I don't even think if if you if you had Stephen Curry sit for an entire game, just randomly brought him in. How many times is he going to hit that very first shot if he's not played in two games? Well, guys, we know how Cal is and just the way that he coaches, the way that he is. There are certain players that have a long leash you, you, that are going to exactly make as many thinking. mistakes as possible. And, uh, you know, there, there are ones that who get in there, they make a couple of uh, minimal mistakes, and they're pulled right out. Uh, case in point, last night, uh, Hopkins, I think. Yeah. Bryce Hopkins, they put him in the game. He made two quick turnovers back to the bench. So, uh, you know, obviously he wasn't going to let Hopkins play through that. He was going to get him out yeah. of there and get his, uh, his main guys back in. And that's just the way Cal coaches. But um, I, I want to see Dante stick around. I, I don't know if he will. We'll see. Oh, here's what's going to happen. If he transfers – you know, wherever he goes to, he will light it up. And that's just how it. That's just what will happen. And especially if he plays against Kentucky. And that's just, just the wait. Way it works. And just wait because if he does transfer, I have a good feeling he's going to be going in the conference. Yep. A little scoop. I don't know if it's necessarily scoop, but I believe there's a good chance if he transfers, he ends up at Florida. And I would hate to see him in a Gators uniform knocking down six threes against yeah, Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> because I mean, number one that. I, I would hate that because we'd have to play him twice a year. But number two, Florida sucks. Yeah, Florida's not really in a good place. Why right is now. Mike White still the coach? <laughs> That's a good question. You sound like a Gators fan now. Why? <laughs> they fired Dan Mullen, who won a bunch of games for them. And Mike White, he had one Elite Eight run, and now it's it's been terrible ever since then. Yeah, and you were – it wasn't that long ago. Mike White was considered like a rising star in the college basketball mm-hmm. coaching ranks, and now he's just yeah. He, I mean, Florida's what? I think they're nine and three this year, so they're not. Yeah, bad. they started out good, then they lost to some. Uh, well, Texas Southern. Yeah, lost like, a game to Oklahoma. Uh, lost Texas to Southern pounded Florida at Florida, if you remember. I'm I'm going to reserve too much of uh, saying too much on Florida because they could very well <laughs> knock off Kentucky and then we're like oh well maybe not but yeah uh, but not quite what was expected of them this year but um, yeah I I hope Dante stays around I really do but if he doesn't I think we might end up <laughs> it might end up being a bad thing another uh, Chris Lofton situation where. You have a guy from Kentucky who just comes in and lights it up every time they play. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Sean, Derek, we're going to switch gears a little bit to uh, the gridiron, as we like to call it. Uh, <laughs> you know, Kentucky football got a bowl game coming up on January 1st, Citrus Bowl with Iowa. Seems like seems like that wait for that bowl game just keeps on lingering and lingering. But, uh, you know, big news coming out of Kentucky football this uh, this last week or so. Will Levis is coming back. That's huge. That is huge. You know, uh, they were talking about on Kentucky Sports Radio, when was the last time Kentucky had a really good quarterback that returned? Tim Couch? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean. And here's the other thing. Kentucky has a really good recruiting class, top 15. Keontae Goodwin. Really? Of course, we had the, uh, the the signing period. Yeah, really good recruiting class. Going to uh... – you know, making some waves on the transfer portal. Picked up an offensive lineman from Auburn, a wide receiver from West Virginia, or from Virginia Tech. Really, he's a really good receiver. Yeah. And there's some talk that maybe they're not done in the transfer portal yet. There's a wide receiver out there from Akron they're looking at who is kind of showed to be, you know, maybe a step above that level and is wanting to is wanting to go play in a power conference because he's shown that he can, probably has the ability to do that. So I mean, they they may not even be done on the transfer portal, and like I mean, like we mentioned earlier, you know, Mark Stoops has done really well with pulling transfers out that come in and can make an immediate impact, and uh, I think the two guys he's already got are going to be able to do that, and then whoever else, I mean, hopefully they add a few more. I think they do still need to add a few more pieces out of the transfer portal. Well, one thing I, I've learned, guys, is I'm not going to doubt. Coach Stoops, I'm not going to doubt uh, Coach Morrow. They know what they're doing on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know that they can, if they don't get a four or five star guy, they can find that two, three star guy, that diamond in the rough, and mold him into something special, like they did with Josh Allen. Yeah, that's uh, what I was going to say. Of the I mean, he's a prime example. Yeah. And there's a few guys in this class here that maybe weren't as highly uh, heralded, but you know. Get some time in the weight room with that, that strength and conditioning uh, program up there, and you're going to see big-time performers out of a lot of guys in this class in the coming years. But I, th- I think Will Levis coming back is huge. It, I think he can only going to build off of what, of what he did this last year. I think Will Levis played had a really good season. The turnovers were an issue, and I think and you know maybe another year under that system. It seems like Liam Cohen's going to be back too. So another year of them two together. I think I think should only yield, and it's big for recruiting goals. because now that we've got Liam Cohen, the offense is more balanced, and that makes receivers more attracted to Kentucky. You know, Zach, me and you talked earlier in the year. We looked at next year as kind of a rebuilding year. I don't know, man. I mean, man. you got Will Levis coming back if if Chris Rodriguez comes back, and that looks like it's leaning more of on the side that he will, yeah. and, and he probably should. Running backs are not highly draftable uh, especially his type yeah it, and uh, and we're just kind of getting the nfl is just getting away from drafting running backs high and so it may not be a bad idea for him to come back and you know, obviously he's had a had a strike against him with the fumbles this year early yeah, on oh, yes. kind of work on you know, that those, those nfl guys they see that they know that that's going to be an issue and that's one thing that it may push him back to kentucky as well just securing that football and uh Man, it would be it'd be great to see Rodriguez come back as well. Yeah, you bring him back, and then I love the running back core. The run, the running back, uh, it's a great running back room. And to tell you what, man, I you know I think I think it's more likely that he leaves, but I don't think you can discount the possibility of Wandell Robinson coming. Here's back. Here's the thing: I think if Wandell goes through the process and it's like, hey, you're going to be a third or a fourth round pick. Here's the thing: if he can get a good NIL deal, that is, um 
close to what you would make well, as a third or a fourth round pick. I mean, he, I mean, he's already close to say, that. Yeah, I mean, already there. So almost, I mean, yeah. we don't we don't truly know that what the impact of NIL is on players who are looked at as like mid round draft picks because it is hard to go into the NFL as a third, well, I'll say fourth rounder and back, and you know not only make the roster but find a niche on the team. And and survive. Mm-hmm. So if he can come back, display more of his wide receiver skills, make some money while he's at it, I think it's a win-win for him. And ne- next year could be special. Ne- it could you be know. very special. And not only you know you talk about him coming back, not only for the NIL all that, but he's got a chance to do some damage to the you know the record books at UK. Uh, at you know catching uh, the football, and obviously he he's had some issues with special teams that seemed this year. And if he can come back and prove that he could be a you know a punt returner, kick returner in the NFL. Uh, that would only help his case that, as well. That's a good point too, because he definitely has the ability to do that. I mean, he's—I mean, he's absolutely lethal in the open field. So you put him on a—you put him as a return man, and if he shows he can do that too, then I, he looks a lot more draftable. But uh, yeah, if if you were to somehow get Levis, Chris Rodriguez, and Wondell Robinson all back, it's I, not a rebuilding year, I don't I, think. <laughs> well, I mean, you'll have, you'll have to fill in some pieces on the defensive yeah. side, but your offense. Your offense is set, in my opinion. It's loaded because you got remember you got you're gonna have Dane Key. You've got a lot of talented receivers. Dakel, yeah, Barry and Brown, the, the, the one of the top wide receiver prospects in the country coming out of Nashville. Uh, you're all you lose some pieces on the offensive line, but you've got some talent there that you've had that you've had waiting in mm. the wings. I'm really excited for uh, Juton McLean, and uh, I can never remember his first name. The Wright kid, the other running back, Lavelle Wright. Lavelle Wright. And then you've also got to consider. Kentucky, who was their number one tight end, Keaton Upshaw, got hurt in the preseason last year. He'll be back this year. And many folks around the program were absolutely loving what they saw out of him. Is he fast? He's, I, I guarantee you, he is faster than Justin Riggs. We were me and Zach were at this LSU game, and we uh, they they got the pass to a Rig, and Rig had a wide open field to go for a touchdown, and, and he looked he like just, he was running in quicksand. And, and I love I love the guy. Oh, he's good. He's been he's been great for this program. He's got good hands, and we definitely needed him this year. Yeah. Oh, and, yes, and he's great, a great blocker. There's a lot of things to like about him. But his speed is not one thing we love. <laughs> Every time he would get the ball after that, I'd say, run! <laughs> it's, I mean, it's like a scene out of Forrest Gump. <laughs> but no, no he's, he's good. He's a good player. Yeah, I'll give him a hard time. But Justin Rick is, I mean, a really you know underappreciated uh, yeah. player on the team because – in ter- especially in terms of blocking. We always talked about it with C.J. Conrad. Well, nobody literally – I mean, I feel like the tight end is an underappreciated position anyway, unless you're Gronk. Well, yeah, you, uh, unless you are somebody who's just like a unique talent. You know, a lot of times you don't appreciate what those tight ends give you. But uh, we saw a lot of – with Liam Cohen, a lot more passes to the tight yeah. ends. And Justin Rigg was one of them that really benefited. Uh, Isaiah Cummings is another guy who – Transition from wide receiver to tight end and really made an impact this year. He'll be back next year. Yeah, the, yeah. the offense is just so balanced, and that makes Kentucky so much more dangerous. We, I mean, we all know that Mark Stoops is a guy that likes to run the ball and pound it and do that little screen to Wandale a million times. <laughs> that same that same way, you can always see it coming. It worked against Florida, and then we were sitting up there. We were sitting up there talking about time for that screen to Wandale. Well, every, every, I love Stoops.
Stoops, and I think he is the best football coach that Kentucky's had. I really do think that. But I love giving him a hard time. It seems like any time a play works, he's like, run it again. Run it, run it again. again. And Liam Cohen's got to be shaking his yeah. head. We didn't see the Wildcat a whole lot this year, so I'm glad we got away from that. And, guys, you talked about, you know, the offensive line just a bit. I, I, I would be I hate to rem- – not mention Darian Kennard and what he was able to do. I mean, you know, those offensive linemen, they don't get a lot of love, but, man, was he with consensus first team All-American? It, or if not, he was very close. Darian, so, Darian uh, Kennard, how many times a, has that happened? Yeah, it may be a first-round NFL draft pick. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we don't – we don't. you know, he's not one of, at one of the glamorous positions, but he's meant a lot to that offensive line, and NFL scouts love well, him. You sit and watch that the film of Kennard and watch the way he just mauls people, yeah. pancakes them, and just smushes them, man. It's just unbelievable what he was able to do. And it doesn't get a lot of glory. But, uh, you know, he'll make his money in the NFL, Sean. Yeah, I mean, an offensive line, it's one of the most important things on your offense. If you don't have a line – How's your quarterback going to get that ball out there? How's your running back going to run? Well, you know, I mean, I mean, I think you, I think you can make the argument. And I think it's a very good argument to make that Kentucky, the the turning point in Kentucky's success was when the offensive line really started to click. When when Stoops and Marrow got that to become an SEC offensive line, everything changed. Everything changed because it wasn't like that. No, it was, in, in his first couple of years, it wasn't there. But then. That you know, you look at when guys like Landon Young and Drake Jackson and some of those guys started coming in, and then you have Darian Kennard. Well, just look at the way the guys look now. I mean, they look like monsters. <laughs> That's what I was going to say about Darian Kennard. That is a monster of a man. Yeah, just created a culture there. Obviously, it started with the late John Schlarman and what he was able to do, and you know the system and the the coaching techniques that he was able to to do with those guys. And you don't un- you underestimate maybe what he meant to that program, and you know, those guys came out week in and week out and played for him a lot of uh, nights. His effects are still being felt, and they'll be felt for many years to come. What he did for the program and, and the, just the recruiting of offensive line, and they've really placed a priority on making sure that they're recruiting talented players that have yeah. a strong work ethic and want to get better. It's and, the S- I mean that's just that's life in the SEC. In the SEC. Back to that transfer portal, you talk about. Rosenthal coming from LSU. You talk about uh, uh, the the guy next year coming from Auburn. His name uh, I don't remember. To Sean right Manning, I think. Yeah, Manning, and uh, you know, no when, relation to Peyton. <laughs> <laughs> when when can you guys think of when Kentucky's getting SEC level transfers at the offensive line? Usually, our guys are going. Yeah, usually they're to, going to, to Auburn. To, or, yeah, or, or somewhere else even. What? But to get you know D one linemen from. Uh, from SEC schools as a you know, as an and we're not talking about pool. Vandy. Yeah, yeah and it, right. just, it it just shows the culture they've built on that offensive line. Well, that, it also goes to show the recruiting man. I mean, who would have ever thought? I mean, did you ever think? I know they were down. Did you ever think a year would come where Kentucky would not only beat LSU, but it wouldn't be a fluke? It would be a domination and um, physicality and domination. Yeah, like I said, domination along the line of scrimmage. On the, yeah. both the offensive and defensive lines, Kentucky won. It goes to show, and I will say it, and I've said it all year, Zach, Stoops is the best to have coached at Kentucky football so far. That's how I feel. I, I and, and it's going to become even more true next year when Stoops passes Bear Bryant. Yeah, and, that, and that'll happen next year, and that's going to be a really big deal. But uh, I I think right now, I think, I think right now, the way that the offense is shaping up, the offense is going to look really good next year, I think. Even if you lose Wandale, I think you still. I think you're still. I think oh, you're still yeah. very good there. The defense will have some pieces to kind of figure out 
we'll kind of see how that shakes out. I trust them, though. But, yeah, you got Brad White back. Um, yeah, how often do you see a guy turn down an LSU position, yeah. a defensive coordinator, and stay at Kentucky? That just doesn't happen. Shows you the culture has changed. I mean, I've had my issues with Brad White at times, but, I mean, I think overall, I, th- I think overall he's a good defensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've had some issues with kind of the way he's done things and kind of his... his Man, you complained all year about the dink and dunks and how that drove us nuts. Yeah, but, but, I mean, at the end of the day, the results speak for themselves. And so, no matter what issues we have, and I hope maybe maybe they'll look at that and maybe make some stylistic changes. And and maybe a lot of that was due to personnel, you know. They had a lot of injuries. Yeah, maybe maybe you have some improvements in the secondary. Maybe you can do things a little bit differently. You maybe have a little bit of a better pass rush next year. Maybe you can do some stylistic things that are different. So I'm 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 interested to see kind of how that changes. I I don't want to see like what happened against Mississippi State happen again <laughs> next year where the quarterback just looks like he's out there just doing whatever he wants, which is what – Michael Vick on the old Madden game. That's what it looked like. He wasn't, he wasn't running the ball. He yeah. was just, I mean, what, 36 of 39. I mean, you just – that that burns me up more than almost anything because it just it, they're just carving you up and it looks like you can't do anything about it. Yeah, we're so nitpicky now, guys. Like, <laughs> we're spoiled. Ago, we were losing to Vandy forty to nothing. I mean, we six people in the stands. <laughs> Shout out to those six. <laughs> we don't appreciate yeah. really what we are right now yeah. compared to what we were just a short decade ago. I remember I was I, every year I'd get the schedule. I'd say, okay, one, two, three, four. Oh, if we can just get that upset, there's six wins. Yeah, if we can pull, if we can pull an upset over a top ten team, we might remember get six. Remember me and you said if they finished with eight wins in the regular season it was a failure yeah and and, and i mean i stand by it yeah but, oh, i do too but it, it just shows you how the expectations have changed mm-hmm. i used to think the liberty bowl was like the sugar bowl I was happy <laughs> to get there. Yeah, and i was gonna be mad if they went to the music city bowl this year but i mean i'm glad to be in the citrus bowl but oh man still could have got into that sugar bowl that would have been nice yeah you just see where it could have been but again expectations have changed and um, but now, and you're now even seeing how the expectations change going into next year. You know, we're kind of, we, it, we, we, I thought six to seven wins next year. Cause it was kind of a transition year. <laughs> but, now you, but now you're looking, you know, maybe eight, maybe seven's your floor, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it, it's fascinating to kind of see how those, uh, how those expectations change. Uh, I want to touch too on, uh, our boy Bailey Zappi real quick. Should have been the Heisman. Should have been the Heisman. Stand by that. Broke the broke Joe Burrow's record for most passing touchdowns in a season. He was a Heisman. Yeah, he was the Heisman. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> broke record for most passing yards in a season and touchdowns in a season. And Shawnee what probably would have hit six thousand yards passing on the season if they hadn't taken taken him out in the bowl game. Yeah, I'm I'm so happy for Western. Of course, you know, Western got that win over App State. Uh, after the tornadoes, of course, Westerns right. in Bowling Green. The Bowling Green has had so much loss of life. I think a, seventeen. Yeah, just a, it was a really great moment. For yeah, them. and I, that same day, I mean, this is kind of off subject, but just but talking about that. That same day, Western beat Louisville in basketball. Yeah, and then, ba- Bailey's happy should be Heisman. Should should have been a Heisman. They should have let him. They should have kept him in and just let him throw the ball all game mm-hmm. and see just seeing what he could do. I mean, I think he was one of the best kept secrets in college football this year. I. Just unreal numbers. Yeah, just video game numbers. Yeah. 
You remember the old NCAA football games, the Road to Glory mode? I still play it. That, it's on my Xbox 360. That was what Bailey Zappi was <laughs> doing. Heisman all every year. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, play on freshman mode. <laughs> Bailey Zappi looked like he was playing on freshman mode all season. <laughs> I mean, and then, it, we're not talking about against FCS schools either. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously Conference USA, but I mean, you look, he played against Michigan State, played against Indiana, played against Army, who was a who. You know, it was a bowl eligible team. App State's a very solid program. App State's a good team, and they blew their doors off. Uh, I wish they, I wish they would have kept ba- Bailey's happy, and I wish he would have been able to get to six thousand yards passing. Now, is he gone? Is he doing it a COVID year? Is he? I, out? Th- I think he's gone, and so that's a big loss for Western. Yeah, and I, I, I think they'll be okay. I mean, I think they've they've got some quarter. They've got a you know maybe somebody in the wait in the wings waiting to. And the offensive system they've got in place. Well, Western is, uh, you know, I talked about Bailey Zappi being the best kept secret. I feel like Western is kind of a, a secret, kind of a secret but solid football program. I mean, when's the last time they were terrible? I mean, I mean they've been, I mean they've been solid for years. Uh, you know, I mean not, I mean not some of the other like other mid-major teams that have. But if you, you just look at Bowling Green, Kentucky, right, right, you don't, you don't expect, you know. Yeah. But they, I mean, they've done well. All, I mean, they've done well over a number of years, and have, I mean, have had quarterbacks who put up really strong numbers. They have good offensive systems uh, in Bowling Green. So I mean, I think Bay, and Bailey Zappi was, but I think Bailey Zappi was just a whole different level, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And I, th- and I think I think the coaches they brought in, and some of the receiver, some of the receiver talent they brought in. Uh, just really helped him. I have I, no idea who their coach is, but like I said, with Chris Oliver, pack, back up the Brinks truck. <laughs> I hope uh, I hope Bailey Zappi gets a shot in the league. Well, you would think with that arm, I worry about his height. His size is the concern. Yeah, because you know, he's a little bit on the smaller side, and we know NFL NFL teams do not like smaller quarterbacks. I, mean, I think you'll get a look. He might, unless you're an exceptional talent. Unless you're like a Kyler Murray, where they're like, where you're you're just a, a unique. A unique talent that they don't give you a lot of credence to uh, smaller quarterbacks and that's going to hurt him but I, I want I want to see him get a shot in the league mm-hmm. but uh, other than that Sean you know we just kind of touched on Chris Oliver Chris Oliver left Lindsey Wilson and went to Georgetown in my eyes a very shocking move I guess to others it wasn't but uh, a, a shocker to me and but he deserves a big salute, Zach. But he does. Yes. Was he there when they? Was he there from the whole the, the beginning when he they started were the program? He, well, he deserves a huge yeah, salute. He does uh, because he built that program out of nothing. He started with nothing into a juggernaut. It, yes, into an NAI powerhouse, and he deserves a lot of credit for that because in the amount of time he did it, yeah, it, basically basically ten years. In yeah. ten in ten years, he had. Lindsey Wilson as one of the top teams in the country. Yeah, we're not talking about it took him 10 years to just become a decent winning program. We're talking about 10 years and he had a championship and probably be, probably should have won the uh, national championship again this year. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and started with nothing. Again, uh, there was not a program. Literally, nothing. He, they, they hired him on, and I think I think if I remember correctly, he was like 27 years old when they hired him. Wow. And so, basically my age. And you're you're tasked with starting a whole college football program. Yeah. And so he started and just went out and was and sold sold a dream of. But you know they were really not terrible whenever they came back. Usually, when you think of a football program starting up, you're going to be awful for several years. 
I don't really recall that. No, they really weren't. I mean, I mean, they had a couple of losing seasons in their first couple, but they were, you know, just one game below five hundred. Yeah, which like. I mean, I would consider that a success. Oh, yeah, definitely. It so, just goes to show you, you know, that not everybody is going to play at Division One. There's a, still a lot of talent out there that can go yeah. the NIA NAIA route and succeed, uh, and he he proved that with a lot of uh, guys from you know local areas from around here that went over there and played well and recruited well in, in Tennessee and other places. And I would argue I would argue recruiting at that level is maybe even more difficult. Oh, because, absolutely. Because you have to find kids who are content who are who are talented, but know that's what their level is. Because mm-hmm. you have a lot of kids that are talented, and that's their level, but they think they but they think they have Division One dreams. And, uh, you know, I don't fault any kid for dreaming of playing Division One, but it's not for everybody, you know. And, so, and sometimes your best route is to go to NAI, get your degree, and have great success. I look at a guy like Cameron Dukes, who has been one of the best quarterbacks in NAI for the last couple of years, and – you know, he's just he stuck around at Lindsey Wilson. He knew that's what his level was, and he could succeed there, and he did. You know, and they have a lot of guys like that. They're, they have a lot of guys, both offensive on the offensive side and defensive side, who, you know, some of them tried to go D one and it didn't work, and they were like, well, you know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna step down a few levels where I can, you know, still get a good education and have success on the football field. Zach, tell me if I'm wrong, but they typically have very large recruiting classes year yeah. in and year out, so. You know, there you have that to deal with too. Maybe getting you know recruited over. You got people transferring back who maybe didn't work at larger schools. So it, it's just a, a mesh that you have to uh, deal with every year in order to get, make things work. Yeah, and so I, I, I get I give all the credit to Chris Oliver and and what he's done. It's been really it's been really impressive. Uh, they promoted the offensive coordinator Phil Kleckler to head coaching role. You know, a lot, a lot of guys like him. A lot of people think he's going to do really well. And I think there's a chance he does well. But it's hard. It's so hard, especially to to come after somebody who's done what Chris Oliver did. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I've always – I've never been the biggest fan of promoting within the program. We'll see how it works, though. Of course, Chris went to Georgetown. You know, you said you were shocked. One thing I've been thinking about, Zach, Georgetown's been down. A lot of these coaches – and Chris seems like this type that he really enjoys building a program from the bottom and then getting it to a, a, a that certain level. Well, he he got it there, Zach. Yeah. And maybe he's just looking for a new challenge. And, and that that could very well be it. It may just be that he wants a new challenge. And you know, you talked about promoting within, and I think that can work sometimes. But I think it makes it a lot more difficult when you follow somebody who's been extremely successful. Yeah. I, I think when it can work is mostly when the former coach was not as successful and you have and you don't have as high of a bar. He's you know, he's gonna have a lot of pressure on. There's him. going to be a lot of pressure, and I think that makes it just infinitely more difficult. I mean, you look at Georgetown guys. I mean, historically, I mean, not as much in recent years, obviously, but historically, they've got national titles. They've had uh, a lot of uh, big name coaches in that area that you know that have have coached them. So, I mean, it's a program that has been there before, and I think that uh, they saw that Oliver obviously could get them there again. Yeah, I think so. Hey, well, uh, guys, we're running out of time here. We're going to go ahead and uh, get this thing wrapped up. Uh, guys, any final thoughts about anything going on or anything, any departing words? 
That's good to have Derek on the program. Uh, we're glad to have Derek back here at Laker Country. He was with us here before. We uh, drug him back down here. He figured, I think he thought it was time to come back home. So we've got him here. <laughs> Brought him on the podcast. Happy to be here, guys. And uh, hope you all have a very Merry Christmas and uh, enjoy the time with your families and friends. Yeah, we just want to take a quick moment to wish all you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And thank you all for uh, listening. We really appreciate all you all. Yeah, Merry Christmas, guys. And, of course, as always, Go Cats. Go Cats.